Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I know it's weird to start a show about art in the shower, but I'm going to start this show in the shower with Paola Antonelli. I don't know how it happened. Maybe under many showers. I don't know. But (laughs) I just started thinking of the at sign. The at sign. It's the little A with a circle around it that you use in every email you've ever sent. And I just started thinking of how beautiful it is. I started thinking of how useful it is. I started thinking of how much it's part of our lives. And I started thinking, why can't we acquire it? I should mention, Paula's not just some random person I'm standing in the shower with. She happens to be a senior curator in the Department of Architecture and Design at MoMA. So, in other words, she's one of the biggest and most forward-thinking people in the art world. And she wanted an act. I started digging into the history, and I found out that it first appeared in the Middle Ages. So the monks that were copying manuscripts were using the at sign to conserve energy because basically it was a fusion of the two words in the preposition AD, you know, the Latin preposition, which means the same that the at means today. It means two words in relationship with, in connection with, and it was even in the first typewriters in the 19th century. And throughout the 20th century, it was used again by accountants. It feels like it's so new. I know, it feels right? like it's so related to the web. No, it's been there forever. Wow. And in 1971, there was this engineer, Ray Tomlinson, that was working for the company that was contracted by DARPA to design the internet. So basically, they were designing the internet. And in particular, Ray was designing the email system. I know, right? That is crazy. I know. And uh, so he was always using the name of the person. Then he was using all these lines of code to connect the person to, at the end, the name of the machine. So always the same lines. So at some point he thought, maybe I can abbreviate this. He looked at the keyboard of the teletype machine that he was using. He saw the at sign, said, huh, did a little research and saw that it was exactly what he needed and he just used it. And the first email he sent was talking about the at sign. So it's just amazing. You know, it was yeah, that's, it blew my mind. Every single one of us uses that every single day. It blew my mind. Yeah. And when we contacted him to tell him that we wanted to do so, he just passed away last year, but he was still alive. He was so thrilled. Like, that's a huge impact. See, to me, modern design is exactly that. It's gorgeous, it's useful, it's available to everyone, and it has a connection to history. And that, to me, was just this great circle. Paula actually had someone paint the at symbol right on the wall of a gallery, which I have to say, to me, is pretty inspiring. I'm Abby Jacobson, and this is A Piece of Work. In this episode, not all art is fine art. The world is full of little things that we use every day, things that people have obsessed over, designed and redesigned and then redesigned again. And some of those things are in the museum's collection, but do they belong there? In addition to being a badass in the art world, 
Paula is also one of the most charming people I've ever met. We have our furry mics. <laughs> She's super into video games. So I am an addictive gamer and I try to. But at the same time, was like effortlessly stylish and does not look like a gamer at all. I am obviously Italian and I've been here at MoMA for 23 years. Okay. We are sitting in, the, is it called the Sculpture Garden? It's still called the Sculpture Garden, but it's, it's the garden. The garden. I'm trying to change that. The yeah. design garden. The design garden. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Okay, so let's see if you can guess the first things we're going to talk about. There's the one with the two hearts. There's music. There's a microphone. There is... It's something that started in Japan, but now people in the U.S. use every day. The laughing face, middle finger. Hearts, arrows, a sun, a snowman, a spooky tongue-out ghost. Do you guys know what I'm talking about yet? Come on! The last clue gave it away. Emojis! You knew. You had it. It's just not a back-and-forth dialogue, but I know you guys got it. Anyway, Paula put almost 200 of them on the wall of the museum. But these are not the emojis you have on your phone that you probably just texted to, like, your current fling to be like, what's up, hey. They're the very first emojis ever created. So they're, like, really blocky and lo-fi. They're just 12 pixels by 12 pixels. Paula showed them to me on her iPad. We decided to go for the first emojis ever. They were designed in 1999 by Shigetaka Kurita, who was a designer working for Entity Docomo. That's a telecommunications company, a telephone company in Japan at that time. Interestingly, the reason why emojis were designed was for the company to communicate with its clients. So they were almost like shorthand for marketing communications and other little cute services like horoscopes or the phases of the moon. Oh, okay. So uh, the weather. Right. So it's very interesting because uh, th- that kind of corporate communication then became the way we communicate amongst human beings. It almost reminds me of when I was growing up in elementary school as clip art. Oh, yeah, you're like so right. Like the first clip art. Oh, my God, the toasters. Yeah, yes. where you could, like, <laughs> it was the coolest thing to just get to, like, attach a little... The flying toasters. That's what, like, emojis Yay. kind of weren't. So, to make a long story short, it looks like these are just pixels, but in truth, it's code. And there's the mandate of the museum, which is to preserve and show things in the future. So, we need to preserve code. And people think that code is easy. It's more fragile than porcelain. It's amazing. So, As things update, you can't yes, get back to the, yes. the system that can Absolutely. handle the old code. So for the emojis, that's easier because the you can emulate. Way I've ever heard anyone talk about code? As the systems update, you can't get back to the old way. Of it's the absolutely code. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Abby, <laughs> that's it. You know, it's like, so. It's a big deal. It, it's interesting. These are the first ones, and the evolution of this. Well, these were like uh, 176, and now there's thousands and thousands. Right. So to begin with, the vocabulary has become much more complex and rich. And when there were way more limitations, it was... Yeah, you can tell. He was doing magnificent things with those 12 by 12s, including the googly eyes. Yeah. I mean, they were not dynamic, they were static, but still, they were impressively detailed. And I hope that everybody that's listening is already going online and trying to see them, because they're amazing. 
can I say, personally, now, I, and maybe I'm making a big statement here, the emojis that we have now, I don't like them because I think, call me crazy, you're the expert. I think they are designed poorly and I don't like the look of them. I like the look of these better. Well, first of all, it's interesting because emojis are designed different ways depending on the platform, right? Right. That's why there's a foundation, the Unicode Foundation, that is responsible for kind of distilling the DNA of every emoji and making sure that that is what gets to every device and then gets translated into the final graphic. So the smiley face looks one way in Gmail, another way in Apple, another way. Have you ever noticed? You're making me feel like... Like, I'm experiencing the smiley face differently than you are. Like, of my chicken tastes different than your yeah, chicken. I, know. I don't know what you have, but it's <laughs> definitely that it way. It is different. And, like, sometimes people send, like, a thumbs up and it's, like, huge. I know. Right? I but know. there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way, the way it's actually... It's not representing me in the way I want to be represented. <laughs> well, I guess you could design it your own way. I mean, I think we'll get to a point where we'll be able to customize the design How of the final cool product. That be? I know. I think it's going to happen and you said it here. You well, launched it. You heard it here it. first. Yes. In this Abby. podcast, this is where they're going to be called the Abbeys. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> got to make the myself Im-Abbies. an Abbey. I'm going to make myself an Abbey. Yeah. I think these old school emojis are great and I might even prefer them. But when MoMA announced that it had acquired the set, they didn't get much love from the art world. In fact, a bunch of critics were pissed. They accused the museum of slumming it or that it was trying too hard to be cool. I have people that have broken off friendships with me because of my insistence on communicating only with Emojis. Yeah, you did send this, me this, your <laughs> your emoji self this morning this, <laughs> with no, confetti. I feel yes. I I wanted to add more yep, uh, more yep. to it. This is my friend Amir Thompson. He's not just obsessed with emojis. He's also super into bitmojis, those bigger ones which look like cartoon versions of yourself. Amir also happens to be an incredible musician who you probably know as Questlove. I think emojis are such a fabric of the society we're in now. And actually, you know, I've seen some people do some really cool things with uh, emoji art online. But so the image you sent me today, that was like you in celebration. Well, that I, we use, were I talk. use bitmojis. Bitmojis. Yes. Okay, see, I don't even have that because I'm not into it. It's fun. Secrets out. It is it, fun. People send them to me all the time and I'm like, love it. There's just something Are you about afraid it. that you lose a part of yourself if... Well, so we're talking... I kind of like these vector graphics better, like image-wise. Yeah, I use those too. You do? It's, it's also interesting with Bitmojis where you see people self-image. Now, there's another... Right, because desi- you design yourself. You get to... So you're telling a person how you what see you yourself. What you think of yourself. But I often find myself um, not only communicating with emojis, but I will direct message a lot of these emoji makers on ways that they can improve their emojis. Oh, wow. And, I mean, I was kind of joking. I said, you know, I want to play too. I want to play reindeer games. Can you guys include (laughs) more culturally inclusive physical features so that I can, you know, I don't want my friends thinking like, oh, this is what Amir thinks he looks like. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm only going with the options you guys gave me. Eyes and nose and lips and 
the one that I use now, which is Bitmoji. I'm in the very beginning. The guy was like, look, I'm a one-man operation. Like, I didn't think this thing was going <laughs> to catch on. Like, wow, like, you're actually reaching out to me. I can't believe this. But, you know, he told me, like, I have a regular job and yada, yada, yada. And I just did this on my spare time. And then, you know, slowly I'm going to get to it. Of course, now he's, like, improved on it. And it's, quote, more inclusive. Yeah. So, uh do you um, remember in the beginning when people were even complaining that the lack of options? Oh, yeah. Mine were less about the, the, the facial features. I was mad that the food ones were limited. I wish they had a better food option for their emojis. <laughs> okay, so the big question of the day is, are emojis really art? Do they deserve to be part of a museum collection? Does it belong? Yeah, what do you think? All right, well, I'll ask you. Did it cause debate? Yeah. Was it controversial? Yeah. There's the answer, yes. Right? I think, similar to music, I always ask, any album that's ever come out, and I had to ask, is this allowed? Then it's pretty much high art. This is a piece of work. So, like I said earlier, Paola Antonelli is a bit of a rabble-rouser, bringing the stuff designed for our everyday lives into the museum. But it turns out she's actually just following tradition. So, MoMA was founded in 1929, and interestingly, it was founded by three ladies of the New York Society. And of course, an, an underknown fact that it was founded by three women. Well, yeah, it, and it's quite amazing because they founded it, then they hired a director in his late 20s. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's Alfred Barr Jr. He was an art historian, and he had just done a tour of Europe, so he had visited the famous Bauhaus. And, you know, the Bauhaus, it was the one school where there was the belief that all the arts coming together, including architecture and design, could make the world a better place. So there was this egalitarian look at the arts. So here you had modern art, all the Matisses, the Picassos, the Impressionists, plus you had the architects, the designers, and there was... Philip Johnson, who we know as a collector and a curator okay. since the beginning here at MoMA. Oh, wow. And he proposed an amazing exhibition that was all ball bearings, propeller blades, parts of machinery that would be mounted on white pedestals against white walls as if they were brancusis. Right. But that exhibition was amazing. It was called Machine Art. And in a way, it's the precursors to the emojis being here. Because if people, even at that time, thought that design was the decorative arts and furniture, they realized that it can be something else. Also, hidden, unsung heroes of our everyday life. But to museum goers at that time, it was a beautiful shock. Obviously, this is still a thing today where people, some museum goers that come in have an issue where like, this is not what I came into a museum to see, like this is an art, but it's probably makes them think about, oh, all this, sorry, all this shit in my <laughs> life has actually been designed for me. Yeah, And You're everything is, right. every single thing is designed and thought of, like all the stuff, like I'm touching my turtleneck, like everything has been designed and was on purpose and it's, I don't know, it makes everything kind of a little bit cooler. 
between then and now, so much has happened, the collection has grown, and those objects range from nice furniture and cars to ball bearings, to emojis, to video games, to digital fonts. Wait, wait, wait. I want to back up for a second. Did you catch what Paula said right there? Those objects range from nice furniture and cars to ball bearings, to emojis, to video games. Video games. She said video games. I mean, how cool is that? One of the perks of Paula's job is that she can make the case to bring one of her personal obsessions into the collection. I love that you're an addictive gamer. I, I know. You're not the typical. Well. It's usually people think of gamers, they think of like like a 14-year-old boy. No, right? I'm a But geek. I love it. I'm a it's geek. the best. What, what, before we get into it, what's your favorite game? Well, I, I don't believe even, it or not, I'm a classicist. I still play Tetris sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yes. See, that's my... But my kinda. favorite game, which I don't play anymore because it's an arcade game, so it's not easy to play it. It's Tempest. It's so beautiful. Oh, it was an Atari know. game. It's in the collection also. It was amazing because even though it was an early game, the kind of uh, spatial effects and graphics that you could achieve just with vectors was just unbelievable. I like games that take obstacles and limitations of technology and make them into beauty. Yeah. And there are a few. So, a couple years ago, Paola brought an exhibition of games like Pac-Man and Tetris and SimCity 2000 into the museum. You could go in there and not only appreciate the design and the entire cool aspect of a video game, you could also go into MoMA and play these video games. But it also touched a nerve with, like, a bunch of people. There was controversy on one side and absolute enthusiasm on the other. So, But the two were very uneven in the sense that the enthusiasts were a much bigger chunk of the population than the non-enthusiasts. I have to say that most of the non-enthusiasts were kind of old farts. I'm I'm sure. No, and they revealed their colors. I mean, it was almost, when I saw there was one particular review that came out and it said, video games are not Picasso. They shouldn't be nearby. No, 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 MoMA. And instead of being hurt, which you usually, I mean, nobody has such a thick skin as not to get hurt by bad reviews. I was so embarrassed for the reviewer because I was, he really sounded so out of touch. I read one. And, and I will argue the review, to the reviewer, the people that make the video games, oh my God. is that not an expression right? of their whole lives? Yeah. Like, like from so their many. soul to whoever experiences it? Just because the new stuff's coming in doesn't mean it's kicking out like old masters. Absolutely. No, yeah. they, they live side by side. Actually, yeah. they live they better. They, they're perfect together. Video games are so much more than video games. They are a whole universe, means of expression, means of education, means of communication. It would be crazy not to take them into account if you are working in a museum that is about the art of our time. Duh. Duh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) I feel like that's a really good way to end, and I feel like, wow, that just got me inspired. I'm like, I have to look at my life. Let's do. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, All right, great. Thank you so much for talking with me. And that was A Piece of Work. You can see pictures of the stuff we talked about today on our website, apieceofworkpodcast.org. And if you like the show, why not leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts? Come on, leave a review. Special thanks to Paula Antonelli and Amir Thompson. 
The show is a co-production of WMIC Studios and MoMA. I'm Abby Jacobson. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. That was amazing.